0: Your desire tonight that you want to see Amen. him. Did you press to get here? Yep. Well, I did. I'll tell you. But I'm so thankful to be here tonight, and just looking forward to what the Lord has got in store for us. We have a few written requests. Uh, have a request for uh, Ralph Allen, who is fighting cancer. Would like to be remembered. So remember that request. Tommy Thompson, who's in the hospital with blood clots in his lungs, and also for Kia Martin. It's got an unspoken request. Uh, Sister Abby is not feeling well tonight, so I want to remember her. and continue to remember Brother Ron and Sister Vicky, And also a neighbor, Brother Pat's, his name is Tony, is having back surgery next Tuesday. He, he said he was in really bad shape, so let's just remember him. Uh, a lady that we work with, uh, we've had for several years, uh, a couple of days ago she fell and hit her head, and she got a, a brain bleed and passed away yesterday at 4.30, so let's remember that family in our prayers and also we have a praise report i love to give these uh sister chrissy i think got to come home today from the hospital so praise the lord so we just want to pray and uh, continue to pray for her that god will just continue to give her strength and give her a speedy and full recovery tonight if you have something on your heart just make it known by an uplifted hand god sees what our needs are brother jonathan come tonight and lead us with
1: meant to tell the Mark, but Laura is not here. She's got an infection in her tooth and her face, real love and a lot of pain. She's got her dentist appointment first thing in the morning, so y'all remember her. Amen. How many happy to be here tonight? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, we love you, Lord Jesus. Lord, oftentimes we don't take the time to tell you how much we care for you and how much we appreciate you, Lord. and Lord, you move down in our lives and you move situations aside and You touch sicknesses in our bodies and in our families. Lord, we're so grateful to lift our hands to you tonight. Lord, and to thank you and to worship you, Lord. Lord, we want to praise you in this service, Lord. We ask you to move through the aisles, move down each heart, Lord. Those that are online, that what you'd prepare us, Lord, to receive something from you tonight, Lord. And for us to have the ability and the desire to worship you back and to give back into praise with you. Lord, you see all of the requests, Lord, too many to remember. But, Lord, you're moving amongst each and every one right now. You see every hand that was raised. You see every heart that is burdened, Lord. You see every sickness, every trouble, every Lord's lost one out there, Lord. You see this situation. Lord, we ask you to go to them in a special way, Lord. Heal the sick, Lord. Raise the dead, Lord. Lord, raise up the lost into your salvation, Lord. Give us comfort, Lord. Give us joy. Be with Brother Mark, Lord, and the musicians, Lord. Be with our pastor tonight. Lord, we're longing to hear from you, Lord, in song and in word. Lord, be with us, Lord. Unite us, Lord. Bring us together to worship your name. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
0: Brother Forrest, this is Rachel back. Naomi and Noah. Bless y'all appreciate Brother Aaron in tonight too, playing the bass for us. And on Sunday, I forgot to mention it. We're so thankful to have him tonight. Let's sing this together, if you will. I believe it's in the key of C. Jesus has
2: a table spread where the saints of God are fed. He invites his chosen people come and dine with his manna. He supplies our every need. Oh, too sweet to sup with Jesus all the time. For oh, the master called to them, come and die. There they found their heart's desire, bread and fish upon the fire. Thus he satisfies the hungry every time. Will be a glorious sight. All of the saints in spotless white, and with Jesus we will be eternally. So come and die.
0: came to dine on the Word of God tonight. Praise the Lord. Let's sing this.
2: And my heavenly home is so bright and fair, and I feel like traveling on. No pain nor death can I feel like traveling on, oh, I feel like traveling on, for my heavenly home, it's so bright. traveling on which flames devour or which Me. For the Lord has been so good to me, I feel like traveling on. Until that blessed home I see, oh, I feel like traveling on. Oh, yes, I feel like traveling. bright and and I feel like traveling. And we usually judge a man by the clothes he wears or by the car he's riding in. Oh, and you can usually tell if he's With everybody I know, oh, I just got acquainted with some poor folks a little while.
0: Money had nothing to do with. Money didn't buy. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this together. I think it's going to be in the key of A. Oh,
2: greater, greater.
0: Praise the Lord. We haven't sung this little chorus in quite a while, so I thought I would try to sing it tonight. I think we're going to do it in the key of G. So spread
2: your So storm.
0: For that, let's sing this together as well. Yeah. Well, he's got
2: it all in control, God's got it all in control.
0: Can't think of a better place that we can Amen. put our life except in Him Amen. tonight. And we'll let you have your seats. We'll have our ushers to come and receive the offering for the evening. Sister Nora, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you have something to sing tonight? Maybe, okay, I'll sing another course while you get ready. Let's sing this. I think it's the key. I forgot on the request tonight. I think Brother Matt and Sister Christy are traveling, so we we'll remember them. And also, I haven't heard an update on Brother Nathan and Sister Tracy. And Haven, but we want to remember them in our prayers tonight, too. I've been thinking about them this week and praying for them. We we'll just pray the Lord will touch them. Amen. Let's sing this. Uh, how
2: great is our God? See with me. How.
0: Trouble. All we have to do is call on his name until the storm passes by. Amen. Let's stand together, if you will, tonight as we invite our pastor again to deliver what the Lord has laid on his heart for us. Let's sing as a kid.
3: so enjoyed is born out of the jagged lightning thunders hot and cold climbing mixing together but if we didn't have rain we wouldn't survive the same it is with life a lot of jagged places and storms but it produces something in us. Amen. That we can come in the house of the Lord in a midweek service and lift our hands up and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Appreciate the songs tonight. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm going to thunder again tonight on the family the Lord. Amen. Permits in Proverbs chapter 22. remember the um, youth banquet memorial weekend coming up. just want to remind you of that, get the word out. I believe we're in for a treat again by God's help. Hallelujah. I believe we stopped here last Wednesday evening. We were talking about uh, parenthood and in the area of uh, being an example before our our family, in the area of leadership. Solomon says now in Proverbs 22 and 6, train up a child in a way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Good passage tonight. Train up a child. This word train, we look up and we see the root of it is an exemplary life before the youths in the way that they should go. So her family, our generation, people, not just our children, but the world itself is looking to us for an example. They're watching us to see how we handle certain matters of life. As Christians, we have a lot of responsibility. We've been given a great, great deal of responsibility of carrying the gospel. I believe that each and every one of us tonight, we have a cross to bear, a cross to carry. And with that cross comes uh, a lot of of burden. But with that, God expects that that burden would produce out of us something that matches his characteristics tonight. If you've got a need tonight, would you just slip your hands up? God, see the hands everywhere. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you once again tonight, Lord. We love you, and we thank you for these Wednesday evening services to where we can come and open the Bible, Lord, the greatest book there ever was, and read those wonderful truths and embark on them, Lord, and hold them in our hearts, Knowing that they're true, Lord. When the word was written, it was divinely inspired. It was put together not like uh, any book, any other novels, or any other history book. It was divinely uh, placed together by inspiration. And Lord, we thank you for these words that we have. Just to think, Lord, where would we be today if we did not have a roadmap. If we didn't have the Bible, the Word of God, the spoken Word, we pray, God, that you'll bless us tonight as we have opened the Word, the text. We pray that you'll give us the inspiration as I speak to your people tonight in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and the church says, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be... And I wanna I wanna go back again and uh, just kind of continue just a little bit more on on what we were uh, actually talking about. Um, you know, the area of leadership is uh, <clears throat> quite a quite a responsibility. Not just uh, as a leader of our family or uh, as a father, but leadership goes even beyond the home. And we see that uh, the the lack of poor leadership can create Uh, a a great disaster in uh, an environment whether it's in a business or in a church or even in a family or an individual we have to we need divine and godly leadership in our lives and uh, great great uh, companies uh, uh, great industries and many many great corporations will tell you the greatest success they have is because they have a team of great leadership. When leadership is broken, then that administration then is destroyed. And we can go from all the way back from Genesis and see how that God began to move upon the people and has always uh, instituted this area of leadership. It was when Israel began to go Outside of God's word that God then raised up prophets with divine leadership to bring Israel back to their place. There was always a leader, a divine leader. And this has went through the entire Old Testament where God brought prophets and great judges, even great women in in the Old Testament. There were several judges who were women who had the wisdom of God. So we see the entire environment, whether it is natural or spiritually, uh, it requires good leadership. If we don't have proper leadership, then we, we we are in a state of confusion, a dysfunctional people, dysfunctional individual. An individual without leadership is an individual that is confused. But we depend upon God for leadership in our lives. So I like to bring this leadership from God himself down to his people and then continue it into our homes because I believe that's where we live. Our home is what we make it. It is the order of our lives. The home is the order of it. It, It's leadership. It takes leadership for everything in our lives. We tend to sometimes point our fingers at at people uh, and uh, blame other people, uh, whether maybe it's a a domestic problem or a conflict or even financial uh, problems. And It is so easy to uh, to try to uh, blame anything around us when we are dealing with what we deal with, but we have to come back to one subject tonight, and that is leadership. We need leadership in our lives. We need it in our prayer. We need it in our spirituality, our economics, and everything around us. In a message, the voice of God in this last age, Brother Brown said, If you people who take the wrong thing live the wrong life, you fathers and mothers that's not trying to correct your children, not trying to raise them, you may try your best, and they're, go- they're going right on worldly anyhow, but you're putting example before them. Now, I'm going to pick up on this tonight, and we quoted from the token message, 96 to 3. He said, let me be a brother. Let me live the example of what Christ said a man should be. Let me be a brother to a brother, a brother to a sister. Let me be a minister to ministers. Let me be an example of examples. I believe that we're seeing the fabric of the, the the world that we live in beginning to tear apart. It's beginning to just tear apart. The fabric that holds our world together, the entire world, is falling apart. We see it in the world. We see it in politics. We see how the, the church is also... Tearing at the seams because it comes back to what we're talking about tonight headship and leadership of God in our lives. Uh, no matter how you say tonight, uh, do as I say, not as I do, children will follow the active example you model more than often than the verbal lessons uh, that you teach. Any leader, any, any, Any leader, any pastor, anyone that is in leadership knows that their greatest and their strongest strengths that they have is that they can model leadership uh, more than they can actually verbalize that. A great leader is one that doesn't say much, but he leads by an example. Now we understand it is imperative that parents be a role model. It's so important in this day for parents to be role models. And the reason I say this is because we have a variety of uh, different things that is being modeled before our generation. Different standards, different principles, different philosophies and theories that are being introduced in our culture and our society. And it's beginning to replace the godly role that parents have today. The idea of the world today is to control the young generation and to make them rootless with no respect to God and His principles. So we're seeing now that it is very imperative tonight that parents take on that role of leadership in their family to be an example of what it is you want to see from your children. It is not just that we just say, well, I want my child to serve God. I want my child to marry a Christian. I want my child to uh, show respect. I want uh, my, my child to, uh, or my lineage to be one that is, uh, that is respected and looked up to. Then, If you want those things, then you have to model that before the people that you love. And I believe tonight as Christians, to those that we love, we will begin to realize that Christ was the greater example of all of us in a bigger picture. And he has modeled before us the perfect fatherhood of humanity. You see, parents must be unified in leadership. This example that we set before our, our children, we must be unified in leadership. You, you've heard the saying, any two-headed creature is a monster. And this is referring to parents who are not unified in their decisions or undermine the authority uh, and leadership of the other parents. It is all coming back down to uh, uh, leadership, but not just leadership singly, but leadership uh, um, as a unified group. As Christians, we have to unify. If we're ever going to be able to stand against the attacks of the world, the dreadful attack, the godless attack, against our society and our standards and our morals, we are going to have to unify. And so it is in a family. If family are ever going to be able to be families, they must unify. Husband and wife must unify. We must unify in a way that God has intended it to be. I've seen family who... Uh, Moms and dads has different ideas and different scenarios and principles of of raising family. And as a result of that, this is why I said any two-headed creature is a monster. You've got one parent that's beginning to try to implement the teaching of a scientific world into our generation. Then you have those that want to stay with the principles of how God has said that family should be conducted. And when you have diverse leadership within a family, it makes for a very tragic union in the home and for any of our heritage. You see, without realizing, parents who engage in this type of relationship with your children and with one another are tearing down their own authority. We are given that power and that responsibility as leader to exercise a godly power that God has given us. It is never to be abused. It is not to be misused. But it is to be used under wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and direction by God. A pastor can easily abuse the authority and disunify the church or divide the body of Christ. But he must be in unity with the leadership of God and then he can extend that leadership into his congregation. But we have noticed now, as we have seen it, it is so easy for the relationship in leadership of the home to be diversified because of diverse views of life. I want to say tonight there's only one view that you and I as Christians should have tonight when it comes to family and leadership and church, and that is God's standard. Every other standard is man-made and theories and theology and all these things. And they're never going to take the place of God's divine leadership in families and in homes. God has one provided way for us to live and that's under the leadership of his word tonight. You believe that? God's work can never fail. Every other theologian, every psychiatrist and every doctor of divinity and every teacher of family and philosophies and everything else out there is going to fall apart, but God's Word will never sink in this age. If we'll stay with the blueprint, I believe it'll produce what God says it's intended for us tonight. You believe that? But we've seen it within family how oftentimes that... uh, The relationship with children can actually be divided because of a disunified leadership within that family. If a husband and wife does not share the same views of how a family should be raised then that family is divided. And Jesus said in Matthew 12 and 25, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Now that's God's word. God intends for us to unify. Now I can go into different directions tonight. Bring this down to the church. This is why you see such dysfunctional families within the message. They cannot stay under the headship of what God has brought in this age. Therefore they had different diverse headships. And not the headship of the Holy Spirit. There's only one headship that we come under. And that's God's word. And the Holy Spirit. And if you have a God. God filled spirit led pastor. Then he should be under that leadership of the Holy Spirit. And the congregation should be under headship to that sort of teaching. Well it's the same thing within the home. Within the family. Now we understand this type of leadership opened the door for children to I play one parent against the other. It's so easy. i tell you, children are smart. And I've said it. I touched on this some weeks back. It is so easy. They're so smart. They know who the weakling is in the family. They know who to go to when they want to have their way. They know what to do to find a break in the system that has been set down. But as Christians, we must unify ourselves as believers. As Christians, as parents, as leaders, we must unify ourselves under the standards of what God has said we are to be in this age. So we see this makes for poor leadership. It begins to create strifes and conflicts within the family group as it stands. Now you understand if we have no family, we have no church. We have bad family, we have a bad church. If there are no family, there's no church. It all goes back to the original of God. The original originality of God's master plan was to have a family of his own. And to bring this family under godly order and leadership and divine power to lead them through life. But when that becomes broken or let down, then the family then becomes a family of chaos. I'm going to show you in just a moment give you some examples. When family becomes divided and leadership is broken, how it makes for a sad family. It divides. It actually carries into and been ingrained into a child, even into adulthood. And as they move towards uh, being parents themselves then one curse from one generation goes into the next generation and it becomes a generational curse. But I believe by God's help, we have godly preaching and teaching that can correct these things within our lives. Now we understand now that parents must be on the same page when being an example in leadership. And children who have a good relationship with their parents will have a better or earlier relationship with God. You see, it is very important that children develop a healthy relationship with a parent. But that parent must be a godly parent. For that relationship to ever mount to anything, it has to start on a healthy foundation. A godly mother, a godly father. When you begin to have those strong foundations in your life, then you are going to have children who will follow in your footsteps. So children who have a good relationship with their parents will have a better or earlier relationship with God. It's important. You see, relationships are important. It's wonderful to develop healthy relationships. Healthy relationships are good for families. But when we see that relationship becomes one-sided or manipulative or corrupt, then it makes for a terrible relationship within our homes. Now, God intended the family to be an example of God's relationship with man. You see, what God's relationship is God's relationship is with man, is what God intends the family relationship to be. God intends or intended the family to be an example of God's relationship with man. Now we understand that as a family we have a captive audience to point others to Jesus Christ. It's one of the most powerful tools that we have as Christians is that we can have a strong family union that can be one of the greatest testimony in our lives to people out there in the world who are divorced, who does not have family, who are out in the streets, who have been disowned. They are looking for a, a, a godly family with godly leadership. And as family, we have a captive audience. To point others to Jesus Christ. One of the best things we can do as Christians is to implement God's relationship to us uh, and our relationship uh, to our families today. What is the world lacking? What is America lacking there's more broken family in America. There's more broken relationship between uh, mothers and daughters and fathers and sons because uh, of this very thing that I'm speaking of today. You see, if we have that healthy relationship that God wants us to have uh, uh, with, uh, with, with our children, then we will bring a world uh, to Jesus Christ in this age not so much by what we say but the way that we live we will then be expressing the very model example of what God's relationship is to man and then man's relationship to other human beings you see sadly so many families don't function as God intended and therefore are not the example of Christ intended them to be uh, in this life they become poor examples how do you how do you know family when you you judge a family by the father the mother the children how they conduct themselves how they behave themselves that's the greatest testimony that you can have your children your lineage your heritage the way that you brought them up mind you when they become adults They begin sometimes to do their own things. But I want you to know the way that we go about handling circumstances and matter reflects back on our godly leadership. When they become the age of accountability, the best thing you can do is rely back upon the scripture that I just preached. Train up a child. You have been that exemplary life before that child. And somewhere in their minds and their spirit, they will remember that path that you have set before them. So we understand that we see uh, in our text here tonight again that how Solomon is talking about training up a child in a way uh, he should go and, uh, and uh, the train up a child in a way uh, and he, uh, that he should go and it's actually driving a family or a a condition or a leadership whether it's a team or uh you're you're over or whoever it is that you have leadership over you are, you are you're, you're 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 training them to go in a in a direction that that will be of a benefit that will be uh becoming a more uh, uh, of, of an asset to uh, uh, the church or to your immediate, immediate family. This is what he's actually saying. Train up a child in the way he should go. It's actually telling us we have that power to, 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 to bring something that we have in our mind to fruitation. We have that ability to bring it to where it's actually going. The way your family is going is how you're directing it. The way that your family has went is the way that you've directed. It's the exemplary life that you've set before it that caused it to go down a certain path. Now, it's not always that way when it becomes to adult children. But I will say they will come back to the way that you have taught them. And they will remember those examples that you brought in their lives. Now, parents must must teach their families at home uh, how to live godly life. Live exemplary lives. You see, the church, I should only be a reinforcement of what has been taught at home. When we come to churches, it should be a reinforcement. What I'm talking about tonight should be a reinforcement of what has been taught, been trained, been instilled, been modeled before your uh, family, your, your heritage. And when you come to church, you hear the reinforcement of what is being displayed in your home. We don't come to the church for the church to uh, uh, make our children know these things, these things should be implemented in a home environment. And when the home environment begins to teach the Word of God and the church then begins to in reinforce it, then it becomes a reality in the lives of children. So we cannot depend on just the church to take the role of family leadership. Now understand the book of Genesis extensively chronicles the family of Abraham through Joseph his great grandson. I want you to watch these examples just for a moment. I try not to take too much of your time tonight, but I want to give you some godly examples. I want you to. I want to show you uh, uh, tonight how important it is for us to be role models, role models to our children, our grandchildren, our adult children, to the other families that are in the church, to other associates. It is so important that God wants us to be role models. Understand now that the lying that Abraham did was copied by his son Isaac. Watch this now. This was the role model that Abraham set before his son. Look at Genesis 10 verses 11 and 13. And there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land, and it came to pass, when he was come there to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai, his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art fair, art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, that when the Egyptians shall see thee, they shall say, This is his wife, and they shall kill me. But it will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. You see, this was a lie. This was a lie. Uh, uh, Actually, uh, uh, Sarah was his wife, he wasn't his sister, but I want, I want to show you how the, the power of, uh, of being a role model will uh, go to the next generation, look at, um, at Genesis 26 verses 6 and 7, What's Isaac now imitating the very same thing that his father Isaac, uh, um, uh, Abraham did? What's the setting now? And Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and when the man of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, she is my sister, blatant lie, for he feared to say she is my wife, lest say he, the man of the place, shall kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. You see what I'm saying? You understand that the same thing is now being repeated in the next generation. What what Abraham actually did, the role, the line that Abraham did was copied by his son Isaac. You see how important it is that we carry on a life that is an exemplary life because whether or not we realize it, that thing that's there will be picked up and carried on by the next generation. Even though Abraham was a great man, and so was Isaac a great man, but you see, Isaac followed in the leadership of Abraham, his father. Yet he was a great man, but I'm just talking about them being human. They were humans. And I'm showing you how important it is that we train up an exemplary life. A life that is being imitated by those that are around us. Are we together tonight? Notice now the manipulation of Jacob was seen in Judah, his son. Understand that Jacob fooled his father by pretending to be the eldest so that he can get the blessing of the first of the firstborn, Genesis chapter twenty-seven. Uh, Judah reaped the same uh, manipulation act of his father through the deception of Tamar, his daughter-in-law, in Genesis chapter thirty-eight. You see what I'm saying. The manipulation of Jacob was seen in in Judah, his son. If you're manipulative, your family is going to be manipulative. If you're a liar, they're going to be a liar. Whatever you are, you're a reflection of what they are. Because this is a Bible example I'm showing you tonight. So we understand now the manipulation of Joseph was seen in in Judah, his son, and and being a heart. You understand, but still, somehow, this is what they were seeing before them. And we want that. We don't know what actually all went on, but I'm just talking about Bible examples to show you how these things can carry on from one generation to another generation. And what a tragedy uh, 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 took place there. You see, Isaac and Rebekah did many things right in their parenting. But they were not unified in their leadership. Let me go a little, let me dig a little deeper. Is this all right tonight? Let's go just a little deeper tonight before we stop. Notice now that they were not unified, unified in their leadership. One incredible wrong thing they did was to be divided on their loyalties to their children. The Bible says that. Uh, Isaac loved Esau more than Jacob, and Rebekah loved Jacob more than Esau. And this sort of favoritism can be tragic in a family. And I've seen it so many times. It's what has ingrained certain complexes that has caused problems in the adulthood of of a child. Even as grown married children, they still suffer a a mind blow from these examples that are set before us. You see, it sends a clear message to your children that our parents are disunified in our family. And this is example, examples that God has given us. This leads to poor, dysfunctional leadership. Look at Genesis chapter 25, verses 27 through 28. And the boys grew. And Esau was a cunning hunter. A man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Remember what I said in the beginning of the uh, the infrastructure of the message? That parents must be unified in their leadership. Here is a very good example of a dis- disunified uh, leadership in a family that created uh, Uh, A very tragic, sad circumstance between two brothers that are here. Now we know all the spiritual applications of all of that. I'm just preaching where the rubber meets the road tonight. And pulling out scriptures to show you how these examples can actually affect people. Many of you sitting here maybe are a victim of some of this because you are one was favor over you, or something has happened in, uh, in in your upbringing with your parents that has caused you to be a certain way, to to have a, a certain complex, or constantly being on the defense because uh, you are constantly having to guard yourself or your Feelings or your demeanor or who you are because you felt put down and not accepted or appreciated, and as a result of that, it's caused you to have a major complex in your life. You see, this caused competition in the lives of the two boys to the point that Jacob fled in fear of his life when. He convinced his brother to surrender his birthright or his right or inheritance. You see, friends, what I'm saying, how these things will go very deep. We can't just read over scriptures and just uh, be spiritual. We have to see the application of what they are to our lives. And people today, I tell you as a pastor, I deal with a diverse amount of issues and matters that, uh, of life itself and, and, and so many of them are you can see it right here in the Bible that we are talking about tonight. Isaac had a clear understanding of who God was based on everything that he learned from Abraham. you see he, 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 what Abraham actually uh, what, what Abraham actually was. In the spiritual sense, now is what is what Isaac became. Remember what I said earlier: the children who have good relationship with their parents will have a better uh, and earlier relationship with God. And we see Isaac trusting in the promises that God had given to Abraham. You see, now it is clear that based on what. Isaac seen, Isaac was thought to believe in Almighty God. I showed you the other side of it to just show the example of how children will follow. Here's a good example that Abraham has set before Isaac. He had a relationship with Isaac that was very healthy, that he taught him the ways of the Lord. And we see Isaac trusting in the promises that God had given Abraham In contrast, Jacob seemed to have a pretty bad relationship with his children. Watch this relationship now between Isaac and Abraham. They had a godly relationship, therefore they can have a a godly family around them. They had a relationship, father and son had a godly relationship, therefore we see how Isaac could cling to the promises that God had given to his father Abraham. But in contrast, we will see just a moment how Jacob seemed to have a, a, a pretty bad relationship with his children. We see how Isaac did with his. Now we see how Jacob would with his. This was a false appearance, a false impression. You see that relationship again between a mother and a daughter or a son and a father has to be a godly relationship. This was a godly relationship that Isaac had because we see him trusting in the promises that Abraham... We can read Genesis chapter 22. We'll get into it in just a moment. But let's just contrast Jacob just for a moment. We see in Genesis chapter 37, verses 35. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him... But he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. This was in the case of Joseph's brothers um, taking him and uh, expelling him from his father, selling him into Egypt. Taking him down and pretending that he was dead. And you know the entire story. And I brought back his robe and such like. And as a result of this we see if they really desired to comfort their father. They would have told him the truth. However because Jacob had a bad relationship with his children. It resulted to them having a bad relationship uh, with God. They were liars. You see, that relationship that Jacob had with his children was a bad relationship in comparison to the relationship that Abraham had with Isaac. Look what Isaac, Isaac remembered the promise of God when he came into Gerar. He remembered what God had told his father Abraham in Genesis 22, how that he will be blessed him and his, his nation will be blessed, his children will be blessed as a result of that." that relationship between Isaac and Abraham was a godly relationship that caused him to embrace and trust the promises that God had given to his father. In contrast to, uh, to uh, Jacob, we see it here because of his relationship here. We, see, we saw how this was carried on through his children. First of all, he showed favoritism to Joseph. And it caused a, a great deal of problem within the family. As a result of that, it created hatred. It stirred up all sorts of resentment and rejection within that family. And when you parallel the two relationships, you will see how important it is for us to have healthy relationships with our children. Are we together tonight? You see, when God came to Isaac... To reiterate the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 26, Isaac would have known all about the promise of God. He had been taught and trained by his father example. Isaac was an integral part of that promise. In Genesis 22, Isaac was taught by Abraham and was well aware Uh, What God had done in providing a sacrifice to take uh, his place at the altar. You see the godly relationship there that was built between uh, Abraham and Isaac instilled in him uh, to believe God in, in the difficult circumstances that God is able to provide whatever we have need of. It doesn't matter how bad the circumstances, how chaotic it looks, if we can develop that relationship with God and with our children, it will make for a better family as we will see it tonight. Does this all make sense tonight? I think fathers and mothers living in Sodom cannot be without concern to instruct their family in the path of righteousness. Which can otherwise have lasting consequences. You see, friends, what I'm saying, the church is made up of all types of people. We all come together from various backgrounds and different upbringing and things that are ingrained in us. And some of you here were never loved. You came from parents that never put their arm around you and told you that they loved you. As a result of that, you have set it in your mind to be a loving parent. I know people today who the parents have never told them they love them. They were constantly just chastised and told how horrible they are and they will never meet the goal. They'll never make anything of their lives and they've paved that sort of destiny for their heritage. So when we come into the family of God, we have to understand we have the adversities of things that has been, uh, uh, we have been victim of. But that's why God leads us in these paths as shepherds and pastors to be able to implement in the church godly and scriptural teaching to be able to correct the error that is in our lives. Because the word always corrects the error. How many believe that? It doesn't matter what our past is or what has been or what will be. We are here now. And I believe by God's leadership, we're able to get direction, godly leadership and godly teaching that will help us to head off the enemy in the next generation. You see, it's evident that parental lifestyle and attitude will be magnified in the lives of their children. You see, parents are responsible to be godly and to instill godly values in the family. Parents have incredible influence of their children. Most likely your children live by the standard you live by. And for some of us, I'll tell you, it's been a a proven fact because they will tell you that abused children will actually love and give more than one that's not abused. And it will actually love the person that abused them. Just like a dog that's been abused, it will love that master. And this is exactly what family is. A person that actually became the victim of abuse in that family, they will always seek to love, and they will actually love that person that abused them. And, and sometimes it's not healthy because that relationship has to be mended and altered and has to be renewed by renewed direction and views according to God's Word. Amen. I want you to understand, parents, as we see it, have power tonight. Let me give you a couple of examples before we close. First Kings 15 and verses 26 through 27. Now, Nabat, the son of uh, uh, Jeroboam, became king over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in his sin by which he had made Israel to sin. Watch this now. Children will live by the example you live by. Here is Jeroboam walking in the footsteps of his father. Let's read that again. Now Nabat the son of Jeroboam became king over Israel in the second year of Asa king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father. And in his sin by which he had made Israel to sin. Jeroboam just repeated what his father did. He saw before him a display of something and only imitated that simply because Jeroboam wanted approval. He wanted to be approved whether his father was alive or not. He felt that carrying out what his father did uh, would, would, grant, would, would gain approval and a sanction. Let's look on the contrary now. King 1 Kings 22 and verses 40, uh, 42 and 43. In the same letters now. And Joasaphat the son of Asa had became king over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab king of Israel. And Joasaphat was uh, 35 years old when he began to become king. And he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubab, uh, the daughter of uh, Shilai. And he walked in all the ways of his father Asa. He did not turn aside from them, uh, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Notice now, here he is. Here is Joasaphat, Imitating the life of his father, Asa, versus the Jeroboam, imitating the life of his father. Two fathers, two different type of examples, and the product was their son's. We didn't look to the men; we look at their children. Their children told what the leadership was at home, and so it is today. Our lives tells us uh, our generation and people around us uh, what kind of example that we are setting. Is your families are to be led consistently, consistently by examples? In Deuteronomy 6 and 7, the Bible said, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. What are you talking about in your houses? God is saying now we are to diligently teach our children. What are we talking about? What do we embark on? What sort of conversation is the centerpiece in our homes? You see, friends, we have, we have the power to create uh, that, that, that godly direction and training that God has given us. So thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house. When thou walkest by the way. When thou liest down. When thou risest up. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? What is the generation here is talking about? The, the, the next church over, uh, bashing the next minister or the other pastor. If we have to lead a congregation uh, based on uh, uh, hatred, that's poor leadership. Is that right? I don't, I don't expect you to follow me because... Uh, Uh, Because I hate the same person you hate. And I fear the same people that you fear. I lead by an example of wisdom and godliness. If leadership is boiled down to uh, we got to have the same common enemy uh, to be together as a church. Then that's poor leadership in God's house. You understand that? And if pastors are leading their church by a common hatred of something else, I'd say that's bad leadership. You don't have to have an enemy in order to be a leader. You lead by God's divine leadership in God's church. You understand where I'm coming from? We lead by the love that is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. But what are we talking about in this age? I know we're all guilty of coming short of these instructions because of the busy world that we live in uh, tonight. However, there still are God's divine plans uh, for our families. Let me close with a couple of quotes quickly. Uh, lifting up out of history. We have a home life crisis. It seems like the home life is running out in the shallow water used to be a home that a father, the head of the house, would sit down of a morning and he would speak with his family and they would all take out the old uh, family Bible and read just a little bit and all gather around the table and have prayer. You don't see that no more. Uh, when the day was done, Ma had the dishes washed they all gather in and read some more of the Bible and pray before going to bed. What's missing in our, in our churches? Let me ask you a fair question. What's missing in our church? What's missing in our nation? They take God out of the school. They take the Bible out of the school. They take God out of the coin. That's why we're living in such a chaotic nation. When we bring it back into the church and we take the Bible out of our family, from our family uh, center uh, piece, and, 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 and we put it up on the shelf, then this is why the condition of the church is in the way it is. You, see, you don't see that no more. When the day was, was done, my, uh, he said, Ma, had the dishes washed and they all gather in and read some more of the Bible and pray before going to bed. Uh, we just don't have nothing but a bunch of lazy, idle people and home life is neglected. Let's face it. Amen. What is zero down America and the church is a bunch of lazy, selfish uh, people who are self-centered in this age. Narcissists in this age. That's what the nation has become. Self-centered and down to their own self. They don't care about anybody else. They're stuck on what they want and, and they're going to get it. And on everybody else's expenditure, that's the spirit of the world and not of the church. You said We just going to have nothing but a bunch of lazy, idle people and home life is so neglected. Can you say Amen. And perhaps, perhaps tonight you've heard uh, uh, these terms before. And I want want to live for the Lord. Have you heard that before? I want to live for the Lord. Or I enjoy living for the Lord. Well, this can only be true where you live. At home is where you live. The life, uh, that's where it starts. You believe that? Somewhere Christians uh, have lost the joy of their salvation. And that happens when the family life is neglected. You lose the joy of your salvation because Junior is doing one thing, uh, the other is doing another thing. The entire family is in a chaos, like the world is in a chaos, and you lose even a purpose for even living. The family brings purpose into your lives. You understand? Hallelujah! So that close tonight? Will the musicians please come? Let me close on this. Amen. In a message uh, of Y in Phoenix, Brother Bam said, Now you people that wanted to renew the joy of your salvation, and to you, somewhere you've lost joy, think back what you did. Did you neglect prayer meeting? Neglect reading the Bible? Neglect praying at home? Asking a blessing at the table? Don't never do that. Oh, my. That's so unbecoming to Christians. No matter where you are, bow your head and pray. Don't be ashamed of him. You see, friends, we wonder, why don't we have the joy of God? Why don't we have the joy that God has given us? Well, we neglect to pray. We neglect to read our Bibles. We neglect to have family devotion. And the world fills that place. And they're propelling their agenda into our families. And we're slowly being poisoned and indoctrinated to the ways of Sodom. Amen. This is what Sodom did to Lot's two daughter, who attended the scientific university down in uh, Sodom. This is why they turned to perversion. They were indoctrinated, they were indoctrinating their daughters into the way of science, into the way of modern society. This is why they had no husbands. Read the Bible. And so is the world tonight. That's all and what's all around us. I believe that God is looking for a people in this age that will rise up and say, Lord, uh, I want to make a difference to my family. I want to make a difference to my son, my daughter, my grown children, my grandchildren, my co- my people, the church, the congregation, the brotherhood, the sisterhood in the church, the associate. I want to expand wider than just my home, but be an example of examples all around me. Is that your heart's desire tonight? Let's all stand. Hallelujah. God bless you tonight. God bless you tonight. I got a big sign right here that says stop. So I'm going to stop right here because, (laughs) hallelujah. (laughs) we get into some more of this in the next few Wednesday nights, the Lord willing. Amen. We'll break down some more. I want to give you bite size so you can chew on it. Is that all right? See, if I just overkill you, then you're going to forget all the goodies that I'm giving you. I want to give you enough just to chew on it. Yeah, you can bite on it and remember it just... A cup of good nuggets better than a whole big basket and you forget everything. You can go home and remember it. This is why uh, uh, musicians and songwriters have so much of an edge on preachers. Because they sing their messages in just a few stanzas. And you'll remember that song better than you would a whole full length message. Right. It's not right. Be honest now. Right. That's right. That's the truth. Yes. That's why I told Sister yeah, I'm going to start singing my sermons. Amen. Just a few stanza here and a few stanza there, and maybe y'all remember it that way. Amen. It's not true. You can you can easily remember a song, and you can an, an, an entire full meal. But praise God, I still have to preach and dish it out. God bless you tonight. We love each and every one of you. Let's sing a song before we go tonight. Time got away from us. Do you appreciate them tonight? Amen. Let me appreciate godly teaching. Amen. Amen. I love you, church. I tell you, many of these things I'm telling you from tonight is from deep, deep experiences. Where I fail as a pastor, where I I did the right thing, where I did the wrong thing. As a pastor, you you, you know, you're not perfect, but you learn. After almost 30 years, you learn a few things. Amen. And these sermons are burdened from those things, those experiences in your life. God bless you. Blessed and privileged. Amen. To hear the word of God preached in all purity tonight. I want to live the way.
2: That he wants me
3: or oh, slip your hands in this for a moment.
2: I will oh, until, until there's just no with me. I want
3: tonight in the house of the lord wednesday evenings are teaching it's different anointing than sunday but i trust it was enough inspiration and anointing behind it to drive the points on tonight we appreciate each and every one of you god bless you online service will resume here on sunday morning children's church nine forty-five. sunday school at 10 and worship will be at 11 god bless you
4: deliver